Welcome to another episode of Inside with Outsiders, and today we have Outsiders guide Ari Mejia with us. <laughs> Pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you for being here, man. I appreciate uh, it. We've been wanting to get you on the show for a while, and you've been with us for how long now? Almost three years, I think. What? Really? Yeah, pre-pandemic. Um, oh, you definitely joined us yeah. as a participant first. Yes, yes, exactly. And that's how a lot of our, our staff, our, our crew, joins us. I remember the first one you joined, we actually put a camera in your face. Yeah. You actually, what's funny, <laughs> what's funny, believe it or not, we had this idea of doing something like this, but while we're out on the hikes. Yes. And it was called uh, maybe Stories with Outsiders or something like that. And you were the first person to put a camera in your face. And we didn't prepare at all. I think uh, we had our photographer like do film when she wasn't a photographer. I and, still have uh, that video. She didn't even know what to ask you. We didn't think about it. Like it was just like, oh, might as well record it. We're here. We're doing it in your face. And you answered a couple of questions. And I think it's still on our YouTube. It is. It, it is. is. I, I personally still have the video. I showed it to, um, I showed it to Angie not too long ago. Yeah. Uh, Angie's my wife, by the way. And um, she was just laughing. Yeah. She was just laughing like, oh, my God. So full circle, <laughs> now we've established this uh, podcast interview series, and we finally got you on. It took, it took long enough. Which, let me tell you, man, as a friend, proud of you, of everything you're doing, everything you're achieving, this is major. So I appreciate yeah, it. Well, I can't do it without my guy. Bam's back there, Chris. I'm always going to deflect the appreciation <laughs> to someone else as well because I obviously Absolutely. couldn't do it without them. But, uh, Teamwork makes a dream. And work, also right? with Outsiders, I mean, you've taken on a lot of the, the trips, so we couldn't do it without you either. Damn. Like, you're probably one of the more consistent guys now. Last year, the most consistent, I think, was Pat. Uh, and, and obviously Jill because she's our, our go-to. But uh, My boy, Pat, I missed him on the last hike. Yeah, he, we got to get him back out there. But uh, So the point of this whole interview series, a podcast series, is to get to know you the as a person and your whole story. So uh, let's start off with where are you from? Well, I was born here in New York, but you know, my, both my parents are Dominican, um, and I was partially raised in the Dominican Republic as well. So uh, when you were, so you were born here, when did you, you left, left New York? Yes, um, about age 11 maybe or 12. Okay. Moved to the Dominican Republic stayed there and came back to the states in 2016. Well, what, where were you living in New York before you moved to the ER? Um, mainly in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. I was born in Brooklyn, but we mostly lived in the Bronx, yeah. Oh, the VX. <laughs> uh, we just did a great activation in the VX for Marathon Weekend. Uh, uh, we did the church station there. I saw the, the videos. I was, block I was mad I wasn't there. I know. I, I, I was I, suffering in silence. Where were you? You were traveling. <laughs> I was working. Oh, you were working. Oh, no, sorry. No, for that one, yeah, we were, we were um, in California. Gotcha. Yeah, but it's a couple of things that I've missed, uh, do either their work or just, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. What, um, so you left here when you, from the Bronx and you went to DR. How old were you when you left? 12. 12. And uh, where did you go to DR? Where in DR? Um, we're from, well, on my father's side, we're from the city of San Cristobal. My mother is from the northern part of the country, um, a city called San Francisco de Macorís. Okay, that's a beautiful yeah. name. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was raised in San Cristobal, so I kind of relate to that city. Anybody asks me where I'm from, that's what I'm, that's what I'm the answer I'm so going to give them. So 12 till what age were you there? Ooh, uh, 24. Okay, so, so you, yeah, about 12 you, years. Your formative years growing up were in yes, DR. Yes, adolescence and early adulthood is all in Dominican Republic. So what was it like? So you grew up in New York early before that, right? You were, you were a child in New York. Uh, and were you in, in the Bronx, were you in a Dominican neighborhood? Yeah. yeah. So was there much of a culture shock moving to DR? Um, not really, because I was always back and forth. Yeah. Uh, I was one of those kids that every single summer, my parents would just dump me at my grandma's house yeah, yeah. <laughs> out there in DR. And I would spend... Uh, one, two, sometimes even three months out there. Really? Uh, yeah, I loved it. Um, so I was with my grandparents, and I was always traveling back and forth. Like that, mm -hmm. my whole life, I've been back and forth from New York to Dominican Republic. And the place you were in DR is it like El Campo, right? The country. I said that right. right? Kind of. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Um, San Cristobal is a big city. I live um, in a suburban neighborhood. Um, mm -hmm. Nice place. Um, but when you step out. Um, it, everything is compo, yeah. You know, you have small villages, you know, stuff like so that. So that must know. have been a little. I mean, you're in the suburbs, so it's it's not comparable to Bronx, obviously. No. So was it slow for you? Not. It's never slow in DR, bro. Yeah. Nowhere. <laughs> that doesn't exist. I mean, it's got to be a little <laughs> bit quieter in, in in the countryside. Yeah, I mean, living wise, yes. A nice neighborhood. You know, we uh, had a comfortable um, upbringing, but. 
um, just Dominican Republic is, is a happy place. Everybody, there's always something going on. And right. I wasn't the, the type of kid to like stay at home. Right. Like I was always outside. Okay. Well, I was yeah, perfect. I mean, <laughs> you, I, mean I, I can, I can kind of tell, I mean, so was I, I was always out as yeah. well, but like not necessarily doing like the, uh, hiking and stuff like that. I was just outside in the streets playing basketball, hanging out in the park. Like that's basically, you know, Chris and I grew up together. Uh, and every kid that we grew up with, that was, you know, we'd be hanging out in the park all day. There was nothing else to do. You're playing Same ball. Here. When you're done playing ball, you're just sitting on the bench talking shit. Like it's, it's just, yep. I think, uh, Maybe maybe that's the last of the last of the last generation to do that because, and it's kind of sad when you say it like that. But I had yeah, I was that kid. I, was, I had baseball dreams. You know, I played baseball. Played, okay, um, basketball. it's very Dominican of you. Of course, yeah. Played basketball in high school as well. Uh, the, the chess tournaments. I belonged to really? the chess team in high school. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty interesting dynamic. Listen, man, yeah. I dabble in everything. <laughs> so you had baseball dreams. Did you uh, have an opportunity to play beyond high school? Um. So. Out there, the system is different. You don't play for like a school team. Um, right. There's things called we play for leagues. Yeah, and the leagues, you know, we do tournaments between us, stuff like that. And if you're a standout kid, you jump from a league to uh, an official program, is what it, what they call it out there, a programa. Yeah, and that's when you start getting trained for to prepare for the pros, gotcha. like to do tryouts so for the, for the for MLB like teams. It might sound like it might be similar to club teams in Europe. Pretty much. Where you, you, you excel, you keep going, the further you go up, the more you're groomed to be a professional athlete. Yes, it's actually pretty similar How system. far did you make it? Well, I wasn't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you, I wasn't like the best. I was good, but it's just so much competition. I mean, the talent level out of DR. It's, it's, How many, it's uh, insane. The Dominicans are in the major leagues? Uh, over 100. Wow. Yeah. And it's a small island too. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Going up there, did you, you left, but did you want to leave? Like, did you, what, what did you envision your future being when you were in DR? Ooh, I envisioned my future. I wanted to be a doctor. Really? Uh, yes. Um, doctor. I always wanted to be a doctor. Plastic surgeon. Plastic <laughs> surgeon. <laughs> I'm afraid to ask you why here. <laughs> why? As a teenager, I had kind of a, like. Teenager, a, of course, uh, yeah. You know, I had this obsession with the perfect breasts. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Does your wife know about this? Uh, of course she does. But, she um, knows now, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man. But um, you know, as you grow older, as you mature, you understand the reality of things and what comes with it. So it it, it, w- it was hard. Um, a lot of hard work. The being in the medical field, it takes a lot of hard work and dedication. So you you're ha- you're actually in the medical field. Yes. Now. Yes. Yes. Um, I currently work at Sinai um, as an EMT. And uh, so. Let's go back to your dream. Uh, did you, you obviously worked in the medical, you work in the medical field now, but when did you decide not to be a doctor? Well, Why? that's a whole different story. Um, I was in med school. I was going to college. Where? I was like three, four years in a school called Intech. It's Ivy League school in Dominican Republic. Okay. But, you know, um, my parents always covered my tuition, ran into some financial trouble, so I was forced to drop out, you know, due to, due to finances. Okay. Yeah. That's actually when um, I decided to just pack my bags and leave. That's, really? when I, that's when I left home, yeah, when I dropped out of school. And I, I think I know the answer to this question. But where'd you go when you left DR? Alaska. So random. <laughs> so random. <laughs> People always get you shocked when I say DR that. You went from DR to Alaska. <laughs> I know. But you did say, and maybe I'm wrong, but I remember you saying there's a large Dominican population in Alaska. Yes. Um, yeah. there's, Why? There's a solid Dominican community in Alaska. Tell me how that works. Well, I, mean, I, usually, I know how a lot of these uh, pockets of communities end up. One moves there and the others. But yes. How the hell they choose Alaska? People follow the money. Um, the weather is harsh. Winters are very harsh. It's not for the faint of heart. Um, but Alaska has something, a system called uh, the dividends, where because of the natural resources, every Alaskan resident is entitled to a yearly check. How much is that check? Depends on what the right, what the what mining the what the are. mining makes. Yeah. Right. So um, when you were living there, when I was living there, uh, first one was eighteen hundred. The next year was a good year, so it was like twenty two hundred. Year. Yeah. So you don't have to pay taxes living there. There's no sales tax out there. But what about income tax? Income tax, of course, um, but no, not no as high. Tax. Not as high as the as other states like New York. Is there? So there is a state tax. There is, yeah. So they, they paid you to live there, but then they still tax you. Okay, yeah, makes sense. I mean, it's so yeah, government. Come on, Uncle Sam always wants yeah, says, you. Yeah, of know. course. So wait, wait, why did you decide Alaska? What did you do in Alaska? So I just, um, at the time, I was frustrated because, you know, I wasn't where I wanted to be. So I thought, I said, let me get away as far as possible and just, like, reset. 
And that's exactly what I did. I mean, I went out there and I experienced natural beauty like I'd never had before because the views, the mountains, uh, I mean, it's, it's insane, the natural beauty that's out there. Yeah. And it was a wonderful experience. I loved it. I will always have, Alaska will always have a place in my heart. Um, I definitely want to go back. Um, but then I said, you know what? Now I feel like I'm good. I got to go back to be closer to my family because all my family's here in New York. Oh, really? So I said, I got to go Were back home. Were parents in DR or they were here the whole time? They were back and forth okay. all the time. So um, I said, you know what? I got to be, my sister had just had a son. That was my first nephew, which is why I'm Uncle Mandy on Instagram. Yeah. 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 My two, okay. my two boys. Um, she had her first son, Elias. So when that happened, I said, you know what? That's it. I got to be close to my family. And is this your younger or older sister? Younger. I'm the eldest. Okay. Yeah. Eldest of seven. What? <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> I am 30. I'm going to be 31 in like two or three weeks. Okay. Well, we don't, you'll probably be 31 by the time we air this thing. Probably. Um, damn, it's of seven. Yes. And yes. when you moved from New York, did they stay here? What, wait, what do you mean? Like when you moved to DR, mm -hmm. were you, did you move there alone or did you move with well, your siblings? me and, so my mom's kids, which is me, my sister, and my brother, Junior, all three of us, we were the ones who lived out there at the same time all the time. Uh, mom and dad were back and forth because they, they worked here. You know, they had work-life balance or whatever. But um, my other siblings are from different mothers, you know, other relationships my dad had. Mm -hmm. They all live here in New York. They One, yeah, They're all younger, yeah. One of them lives in Houston, Texas. Okay. He's 22, I believe. So your parents obviously are not together. No. Okay. No. So you said you were outdoorsy from the time as a kid. What would you like to do? Listen, man, everything and anything. Um, one time... Because being outdoorsy as a kid and becoming outdoorsy as an adult, there's two different kinds oh, of outdoorsy. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. So what were you doing as a kid outdoorsy? Was and, how, and when you decided you wanted to be in Alaska and do outdoorsy things like that, what drove that passion? So as a kid, I was always a kid on a bicycle. I always had bicycles, right? I always yeah. loved to ride bikes, um, break them up, build them back up. We did all that kind of stuff, me and the, and the neighborhood gang. Was Joey part of that gang? <laughs> But um, I would ride my bike to these to rivers. We would go swimming um, to lakes. Um, we would get into some trouble because sometimes I would leave Shocking. without telling anybody. You know, yeah. uh, grandparents <laughs> would whoop my ass when I got back. <laughs> this is in DR. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but as an adult, being outdoorsy, um, you know, I ha after the whole partying, drinking, and club phase. I was more like uh, hiking, long mm -hmm. bike rides, sceneries. I'm a sucker for sunsets. Mm -hmm. I wake up early. I like to see the sunrise as well. Stuff like that. Um, I learned how to fish, how to hunt. Really? Where did you learn? In Alaska? In Alaska, yeah. Who taught you? Um, and just, who did you know there, by the way? Well, it's crazy because I had a family member who lived out there before. So I already like established those relationships. I already knew a couple of people that were... Um, close to my family, you know, friends of the family, and but every pe every person you meet out there um, has those survival tactics, um, that knowledge yeah. of of being outside and knowing how to how to get things, you know. Just um, I learned how to skin an animal, like cut fillets what, of, what kind of, of meat, animals? like deer, yeah. moose, um, caribou, filleting fish. You know, stuff I never thought I would do. Right. I, I learned all that stuff because of the people I was surrounded with. Like. Right. That's kind of like a pastime because there's nothing else to do, really. <laughs> you have one mall that everybody goes to. You'll see the same faces. Right. There's like the same three or four popular clubs that everybody goes to. You're going to see the same faces. It's a small town. And how, how long were you there again? Uh, two, almost three years. Wow. I spent a year in Ohio and I wanted to leave after like the first <laughs> three months. I hated it. Wait, what part of Alaska were you in? I lived in Anchorage. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's like the biggest city. It's yeah. not the capital, but it's the biggest city. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's strange to like, for me to understand somebody from New York to DR to Alaska. It, it's really weird. It, even if when I think about it, it is weird. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's made me who I am. It's, it's been so much fun. And what's interesting is you didn't leave because you didn't like it. You left because you want to be closer to family. Yeah. So would you ever go back there? Oh, yeah. Really? Absolutely. Like, would you live there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Not live permanently. Right. But I do see myself like one of my best friends and a, a roommate who I used to live with in Alaska. He actually bought a piece of land to build a cabin. I have the same plan. Like, I want to have something I can go back to. But do you want to have that in Alaska? Because you can do that 
on the east. No, no, northeast. In, in Alaska. So what's so special about Alaska that Dude, you, you, you have to go? There? I do have to go, and I so, want to do one for outsiders. I want to do Alaska for outsiders. That would be amazing. Count me in. Well, maybe you could help plan that. Let's do it. Let's Same do way it. I'm going to help you plan the DR. DR show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think Alaska is be more, uh, more of a draw, uh, only because DR people feel like it's more accessible, and yeah. and there's so much tourism there that it's easier yeah. to plan a trip. I actually took the first step with the logistics. I contacted. I forgot to tell you that. All right, we'll, we'll contact, go over we'll, it we'll, off camera. But we'll talk about you're that gonna, later. Yeah, ideas, yeah. yeah, I got started you know? already on that. Perfect. Um, so, all right. So you came back to New York in 2016. No, no, I was in Alaska t- from 2016 to midst of 2018. Okay. That's when I moved to New York. Um, specifically, so in I met you pre- like what year into your time in New York? April, yeah, yeah. So yeah. when did you go to school for being an EMT? Well, that um, where I got trained in the hospital because I go to school for respiratory therapy. Right now, currently, oh, um, you're, you're still a student. Currently, yes. In this, in at work, I guess. Yes. Okay. Yes. But I became an ENT within the hospital. Like I went up the ranks, took their trainings. You know, um, I, I've I've always been the I'm never I'm never still. Yeah. So well, I, I mean, a lot of us like I feel like a lot of the team, a lot of people who join outsiders. Uh, n- not everybody, of course, but a lot of them can't sit still. That's why they enjoy the social environment of yes. being in, in motion. Like for me, I love being in motion. It yeah. calms down my nerves, my anxiety and stresses, and also like I have a lot of energy to begin with, so it burns it off. Yes. Um, and also it sure beats like sitting at a bar, drinking and eating in order to socialize. Um, but there's a time and place for that, of course. There's a time and place for everything. But I like yeah. earning that after, <laughs> or after an activity, after a bike ride. Yeah, that's, it feels good. Yeah, and you know we launched Outsiders with a bike ride. So I was also a kid that was always on my bike. Actually, I took it one step further. I remember and I was a super active kid and like a lot of energy to burn off, and I wanted to do something. I was like, I want to do something. I don't know what it was. I just want to do something. It's like my mom, I told my mom, like, I want to do something. She's like, what do you want to do? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So then I was like, I came up with the idea of building my own bike, uh, piece by piece. Uh, not literally forging metal by anything means, but of course like not. buying you get the frame and then together. get the, yeah, yeah. And I put it together this awesome BMX bike that uh, I still have, actually. Um, and uh, so I was on that. I was all, Even before that, I was on a bike all the time. For me, the part of the reason why we launched Outsiders, the bike ride, well, the bike ride launched Outsiders, but the feeling you get when you're on a bike with a ton of people reminds me so much of when I was a kid. You know, I always tell people that the best way to get to know New York City is either walking or on a bike. I'd be careful who you say that to, though, because a lot of people, I, I agree, but a lot of people don't feel comfortable on a bike, and a lot of people aren't. Well, uh, to each his own. Yeah, but, but a lot of people, but, I would feel, aren't coordinated enough to get <laughs> a bike. Yes, yeah. but that's honestly because there's so many businesses here, so many holes in the wall that you won't notice, that you won't hear about, that you won't know about unless you walk past them. And it's actually a great way to, uh, New York isn't too hard to figure out because most of it's a grid, but like when I was in Paris in June, during Sardinia, I spent like eight days before and eight days after, right? And I spent a lot of time in Paris, but I don't, I don't really know. I know some parts of the neighborhood, some places, but I don't know the whole city, how one neighborhood uh, connects with another. I don't even know that. I didn't know it that well, but I had a bike the, the time I was there. And that's the first time I used that to get around instead of the metro or walking. And I really got to know a lot more. Of and see there's a lot of stuff I didn't see. I didn't realize like, okay, if I go past this park, then I lead up this road, it leads to this neighborhood. Like, oh, that's how it's connected. So I think for me, and I love bikes, but for me, it, it's you know it's also been a, a savior as well. Listen, the pandemic. I can tell you, I felt like I became a real New Yorker after I started riding my bike in New York. Because mm-hmm. now I can tell you, oh, okay, this is there, this street with this street, right. uh, Avenue, this, this, and that. Go to this place. Go to. The, I can tell you where yeah. everything is because I, now I know. And like most I people in most cities learn that driving, right? But now it's GPS. So a lot of people. I had a friend of mine who lived in LA. He lived in LA for four or five years, and he always used GPS so much so that he didn't know. He still didn't know how to get around in most places. Yeah, that sounds like your sister Sydney, Lorenzo, and all those guys. They could barely, they can't get away, they can't get around without their phones. Uh, really? I mean, it depends on where, right? Hoboken, like Jersey City. Are you serious? Yeah, <laughs> I need it. I need. Well, <laughs> you know, I have to say, uh, and I think yeah, you did this job too. When I was in college, I had a, a hoopty. And I worked for this company called Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. It was Uber Eats before Uber Eats. Oh. So basically, they had a bunch of restaurants as clients, and you'd call in, and they dispatch you, go pick up this here and that. So basically, I was delivering. Okay. I was like 19. But I learned this whole area, like the back of my hand. And there wasn't GPS. Matter of fact, I had a map. If I didn't know where yeah. a street was, I opened up the map, and I learned And it. back in the day, you had to like stop and ask somebody. People will tell you, oh, okay, turn here, yeah. then make a right, then make a left. Or pull out the <laughs> map and know yeah. how to read a map. And now it's super yeah, easy. Like, I prefer now, of course, but like... 
you were forced to learn how to get to one place yeah. to the other. And you know, it's kind of sad sometimes when you think about it. Um, a lot of people don't get to really experience New York because they go underground, they get to the stop where they're going, and then they pop up. That's 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 no way to really get the feel for it. You well, know? then you're also not expo- exploring neighborhoods that that aren't part of your daily routine. Exactly. You know, so exactly. you might not be seeing an amazing. Like, implants are usually in Lower East Side, mostly Williamsburg, and that's all. That's their world, right? They don't know about Uptown, Astoria. I think Astoria is one of the best neighborhoods. Well. Queens as a borough itself, to me, is one of the best boroughs ever. It's the most culturally diverse yes. in the world. You, find, you can find any food of, of any country in the world yeah. in Queens. It's yeah. crazy. I yeah. love it. I agree. Where do you find Dominican food in Queens? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Jackson Heights. Yeah. Any, anywhere. Man. I was just saying. Uh, it's a, but Jackson Heights has it all, though. Washington <laughs> Heights is, is, is not Queens. That's, is that the best uh, Dominican foods in Washington Heights? Oh man, best Dominican food. You can't just say the best. I guess it's different meals and different stuff. places have uh, are better at different things. Yeah. But there's a couple of good spots. Well, let's get back to you besides food. <laughs> we can talk about food all day. Um, so you come back to New York and did you get this job right away at the hospital? Uh, no, I actually started working for Chase. I was a banker. How did you at Chase? Did you study finance? No, I'm good with my words. You're a hustler. <laughs> he's a liar, ladies and gentlemen. That's what he's trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I'm, I'm very personable. You know, uh, um, I agree. I'm I not. I'm not. I'm not afraid to. I'm the person who can sit next to you at the bar, and we'll by the end of the night we'll be friends. Well, that's that's your biggest strength as far as outsiders goes. You know, I think I think people I get compliments about you and Angie on a regular basis. People actually asked me recently. I was at uh, on Saturday when you weren't there. Mm-hmm. The start of the outsiders and someone, oh, how's Angie and Ari doing? Like they, they're the greatest, the best. Socially, you guys are amazing. Nice. Thank you. You got to work on you being on time, but you guys are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> cut that out, please. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> I'm sorry, we don't cut none. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's no editing here. Okay. But I did, I did, I did, I did build outsiders, um, our team, with having in mind personalities that are social and, and, and great hosts because a lot of the outdoor outfitters and these are tour groups not necessarily communities a lot of them are are being ran by people who've been in the outdoors forever and what drew them to the outdoors is that they're socially awkward right mm-hmm. so they like to be out there alone mm-hmm. and so on uh and therefore you're being taken out to the outdoors with people who they are have the, the survival skills but not the social skills exactly yeah, yeah. and i wanted to you change the narrative with the outdoors and make it social make it because we'll have people who are who aren't the most the biggest extroverts who want that community and if they're out there with somebody else who is a uh, socially awkward they're not going to get brought into the conversations brought into the group and feel like they belong and that's what we do a great job of and that's what you do a great yeah. job with pat does a great job but you find our whole team does an amazing I've, job i've noticed that um i've had conversations with people on trips that they're just they show up they don't say hi to anybody they're just in their own corner but once we approach them once you know the, the energy is there yeah. and and they can people can feel that i mean and and they end up being like wow i'm so glad i came because yeah. i didn't know what to expect i'm not i'm not a social person yeah. but you guys just make me feel so welcome and I, I love that feeling, too. So well, I, I, And I know how they feel because, and I, you guys, I'm sure, will find it hard to believe, but for me, you know, being the one that's either throwing the party or, or, or organizing your event, people are introduced to me, right? But when it comes down to me having to break the ice and introduce myself to someone I, out of the blue, like, like a cold call, I, I'm terrible. I'm not the, I'm a, I force myself on occasion, but I'm bad at it. So I, I feel like that warm introduction makes it so much easier Definitely. to connect with other people. And that's, that's the goal. Like, you know, we spoke like, hey, if you see anyone by themselves, bring them in and introduce them. And then when they show up, I'm like, hey, did you come by yourself? And it says, yes, no, you didn't. You came with us. You were like 30 other people. So there you go. It's, it's, uh, that makes me happy. But okay, back to you again. <laughs> uh, so you, 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 you talked your way into being a banker. How long were you doing that? And what made oh, you leave that? And about did you get fired because they realized you're full no, of shit? No, no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I was there for like six to eight months. Um, I'm kidding, by the way. <laughs> come on, man. It's me you're talking to. Um, I was there for like six to eight months. Um, I was part time. Okay. So that wasn't cutting it because I wasn't, you know, making enough to survive. This right. is New York City, you know. Yeah. And then I got a part time job as well as a patient transporter at, at Mount Sinai. So I was doing both jobs at the same time. Then when I started getting more hours at Sinai, I, I became full time. That's when I dropped the bank. 
Yeah. I, you know, put in my two weeks notice. I'm gone. Um, right there, not even six months in, like right after I passed my probation period in Sinai, I was the, the transporter that walked around with 10 resumes in his jacket. Okay. And every department I went to, I'm like, are you hiring for, yeah. for a PCA, nurse's aide? Every single department, every nurse admin, every, every nurse. I would ask everybody to yeah. every, every single floor I went to. People already knew me because, oh, he's the guy who's handing yeah, out resumes. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, at six months, eight months in, I got my first call for pediatrics, um, the p- uh, pediatric ICU. Oof. And right after that one, like, seven simultaneous calls offering me positions nice. within the hospital. Yeah. And people always ask me, like, because there's still people till this day that I started with that are still doing transport. Mm. And they always ask me, yo, how do I get out of here? How do you how did you do it? I'm like, bro, you have to you have to want it. You have to put the work in. You also did, and, you know, know, other qualities is to well spoken. Yeah. Like you said. And, you know, I put the work in. I wanted it and I, and I went for it. That's that's just what I do. Like I want I see something. I want it. I what go drove it. you to be in the medical field in the first place? Like is, you obviously went back looking to be part of it. What, what was the first thing that, that you That's it? a beautiful thing. Um, that comes from my childhood and my grandmother. Tell me. My grandmother was always the nurturing, the caring one. Um, she took care of everybody in the family. Not one person got sick that didn't call my grandmother. Really? Yeah. Was this she is, a doctor? No, but... But that home remedies? Yes, yeah. exactly. She was a natural home remedy. You do this or take yeah. this. And I always asked her. I remember one day I had this conversation with her. I'm like, Mom... I was called Mama, so I'm like Mama. Why, why do you know so much? Why, why don't you? Why aren't you a doctor? Me as a kid, I just asked her like, Why aren't you a doctor? Oh, I wish I were one. That's what she told me, mm. and that's when I thought I'm like, Oh, then I'll be one. Now, you're in the medical field, and you're you're pursuing like helping people. Yeah. You think you'd go back to being a, to becoming a doctor, or are you sticking with the uh, respiratory? Yeah, yeah, respiratory therapist. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going to do. Um, my main goal is to become a perfusionist. What's that? So a perfusionist is the person who specializes in the circulation of blood mm-hmm. within the body. So he works in conjunction with the um, cardiac team, um, cardiac surgical team, right? So cardiothoracic surgery, you're going to get open heart surgery. They open your heart. They have to cut the circulation to the heart to be able to operate on it. Right. But keep the so, blood flowing somehow. Exactly. Yeah. So the blood, the person who keeps the blood flowing, operates the machines for that, is me, the perfusionist. Oof, that's a lot of responsibility. Exactly. Yeah. But um, that's 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 my goal. Okay. Yeah. Um, what else do you do outside of work and wanting to heal people? Oh man, um, what's your passions, personally? I know we have the outdoors. Uh, tell me. Fitness. Um, I'm big into fitness. Um, because of remember the baseball dreams. Um, that was the first time I touched the gym. Really. Sixteen years old was the first time I went into a gym. Um, to train and get stronger, to become a better baseball player. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but um, eventually that's what started it off. And I've been, I've never looked back. I've been in the gym my whole life after that. You competed recently. Yes, last summer. Bodybuilding? Yes, men's physique category. Men's physique, what's, yeah. uh, what's that mean exactly? So you men's know, you're, physique you're, you're, are the you're guys. you yourself in the dark, fake tan, you wearing a the the on. Yep. yep. Wait, did you really put that bronzer on? Yeah, yeah you have to. Because, uh, so the, the thing behind the, the, the tan is, it brings out your your, your cut. Yeah, it makes no, it no I, under, I, under, I know what it's from just saying, but I mean, you already you already got yeah, but there's you already uh, got bronze. Listen, skin, you so. would be surprised. There's black men who also get tanned for competition, really? which to me is insane. Like you're like, bro, you're already solid. Like you're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're good. But nah, they still spread yeah. throw that tan on um, because it gives you that shine. And when the lights hit, it really brings out the definition in your body, and that's what the judges look at. And this is. Uh, Natural? What do you mean by natural? Uh-oh. Define not. natural. <laughs> well, listen, it's no secret that bodybuilding has a lot of uh, HGH, steroid use, and so on. There's a lot of stigma behind it. I'm not yeah. the person who's going to deny it. Yes, right. steroids are involved. Okay. And that's, there's no shame in that because when you do it properly in the right way, there's, no, there's minimal side effects. There's no harm, no danger. Did you have a doctor helping you yes. with that? Blood. How much weight did you gain? What, how was that? This is interesting to me. How did you feel differently? How did you heal better? How did you grow? Like, how, what was the whole experience like? So when I first, my first cycle, um, I put on at least 15 pounds right off the Straight bat. Straight muscle. Right off the bat, yeah. How long were off the bat? Um, we're talking about probably within a month. Oh, my God. 
15,000 yeah, muscle in a month? a month. I was eating. How like, else did you feel? I felt like a teenager. Like I was 16 again. Did, did it you have that, like you your, have that, uh, that testosterone rush in your body and you, you feel amazing. And I'm assuming your sexual appetite went up through the oh roof. Oh, my God. Like, Angie must have. Angie. <laughs> She'll hide from me sometimes. What's that? She'll hide. Oh, yeah? She'll be like, leave me alone. Oh, my God. <laughs> what, else, what else did you feel? Like, did you feel any negative side effects? Well, because of the, the way it works for, for competition, you, you try to shed as much body fat as possible, right? So in, in a certain sense, you're starving yourself, right? Um, that brings up a little bit of anxiety, because of the, the feeling of you're thinking of food all the time, you're, you're actually craving everything you normally don't eat. Like, I don't eat pizza. I don't eat hot dogs. I don't eat junk food normally. But when, when I was um, during preparation, I was craving all of that stuff. And that would give me anxiety. Sometimes um, cold sweats at night, I wouldn't sleep well. Because your body's in, sur in survival mode, you, you're literally starving yourself yeah. to shed as much body fat as possible. Just, well, that, just that keep doesn't the necessarily have anything to do with your... The cycle. No, no, it has nothing to do with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That just, that's just a boost. I'm going to put it this way, what I tell people sometimes. Runners go to um, Fleet Feet, get their, fit, um, their foot fitted, and buy really expensive shoes. You got $300 shoes or, or whatever the brand is. No, we don't say We say on running. I don't know. <laughs> on, my <Okay>. guy. <laughs> this guy. Copy, copy. What so the? You go and Fleet you... Battle. Please. Listen, you, <laughs> you go and you buy your two, $300 expensive on running shoes yeah. to feel better and run better, right? Yeah. You want to go faster, you get a better car. You want to look nice, you get better clothes, right? Same situation with, uh, with bodybuilding and the juice. Mm -hmm. You want to look better, you get, you get Did gear. Did you place? Um, not really, mm. no. Would you try it again? Um, I am actually going to try it again. I'm going to start prepping in January for, for a competition in the summer. In and it's just a hobby, a side project, right? Yes. Okay. So the first time I did it was last year, and I did it because I told myself almost a decade ago that I would do it before I turned 30. And like I said, when I say something, I capitalize. So I said, I told myself when I realized, okay, I'm 29. Oh, snap, I still haven't competed. I called up my boy, who's um, a good friend of mine, one of the best trainers and nutritionists in the Dominican Republic. And I said, listen, I want to get ready. He's like, listen, you're not really big right now. So you're going to work with what you have. You're just going to shed fat, and what you have is what you have. I said, no problem. Let's go. So that's why I didn't place. I wasn't the bulkiest or, right. the, or the nicest looking guy, but I just did it for my personal satisfaction. This year, I'm really putting on weight. I'm really getting big because when I shed that fat, I want to look my best on stage. Yeah. Speaking of looking best on stage, you got to get Ifani in this competition. This guy, he's this, ready this right guy now. walking around daily Listen, is ready. Get me some baby oil and get Ifani right? on stage right now. <laughs> Mr. February. It's insane that dude like walks around like his regular day. And we've, we've, had, we've had these conversations. Yeah, I okay. love his physique. Yeah. And well, I'm like, yeah. bro, how do you do it? Because I can't maintain that kind I mean, of... He, it, it's crazy. I, have, I mean, listen, I have a it, lot of Nigerian friends, and I think there's some sort of genetic predisposal to be like... It is. It is. Um, some people just, also work hard. Have, I'm not going to take that away from him, but he course, has a Snickers a day. <laughs> How you, a minimum of one Snickers a day and look like, Mr., look like that, Mr. Yeah, February. but he, he does have great genetics, and he, he is a hard worker. Like, shout out yeah. to Afani, man. Yeah, um, and, 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 a, and a great dude. And yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We're very reliant on Ifani, for sure. Um, all right, let's see what else. I got, I got more questions. Uh, I think that was interesting. Thank you for opening up about being honest about your competition, bodybuilding. Like I said, there's no, there's no shame in that, man. People just, um, people make it like a taboo, but really, yeah. there's, it's not a big deal. Honestly, if you talk about it like it's fine, they're more likely to respond like, okay, uh, it's more normal than I thought it was, even if it's not so normal. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it's normal when you belong to that community. You, oh, absolutely. You, you'd be surprised. Absolutely. No, I, I, I know people in that community. I know people who don't even com compete, but do it because the same thing you said about how you felt like a teenager. Yeah. Like recovery, you know, for me, one of the hardest parts about staying in shape is being able to recover at, this, at, at 43. Like trying to gain Which, muscle mass is, is tough. My, my, my respects to you. You're aging gracefully because 43, man. <laughs> Listen, I have a couple of people that I aim to be like when I'm that age. My uncle is one of them. He looks great. He's almost 50. This guy is on my list as well. When I'm 40-something, I want to look like that. Appreciate you, man. You know what it, a lot of it is? Physical therapy. 
a lot of it because uh, what's and the, like you said, you're always active. Like you, you, you know, know, very true, very there. true. Yeah. But the best ability is availability. If you're available to work out, if you don't, if you're injured, you can't. You know, true. I, a lot of my stuff is preventative. Right, you're the back, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, but I, it, it, I, I had the surgery, but I'm good. But I do stuff to prevent, to to offset all our, you know, the way we move and the way we sit and hold ourselves in modern day society is everything is forward, small, neck down. Uh, I'm trying to stand up straight and. I should stand up straight. <laughs> Sit up straight. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so you, you have a bunch of these goals. What's your what's your like your vision of success? Like if you had to picture your perfect life right now, or, or the goal you're trying to achieve, what would that be? Because you have the bodybuilding as a hobby. You have uh, you're trying to pursue a a medical profession uh, higher than what you're doing right now. Uh, you love the outdoors, and and uh, hopefully we can have you on the team for a very long time. But what what is what are your goals? So, I'm very family oriented. I'm big on family. So if, um, in the near future or you know in the long run, I have financial stability, emotional stability, and I love that you and, said that and peace. I love you know you with my that. family near me, like. Yeah. Not just not just your core family, you know, wife and kids. Yeah. Eventually, I aspire to have a few children. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, your your relatives not too far away that yeah. you can you can rely on. Um, to me, that's happiness. Yeah. And to me, that's that's it. You know, you really don't need much. If you if you're stable financially, you know, you can take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be the richest guy on the block. I agree. You know, you you're comfortable. Even though we all have ambitions, we all want more. That's fine. But, you know, but realistically, if you're comfortable and you're able to take care of your family, provide for your family, protect your family, then to me, I'm what you just said is actually interesting. Uh, It's important to acknowledge the fact that when you're ambitious, you always want more. That's not necessarily healthy to always want more. Ambition is good, but to always want more means you're never never satisfied. Never satisfied. And that's something I worry about or I think I've I've achieved an understanding and more of a balance in what I want now. But remember having a therapy session and they're like, yeah, but would you feel comfortable with 2 million in the bank, 3 million, 20 million? Or would you feel like you might lose that? So you need to get more. And I was like, well, you know what? Well, I, 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 I might have to say, I feel like I always have a fear of losing that. But now I would, with perspective, with age and working on myself and, you know, working towards more emotional stability, financial stability and so on that, uh, that I like to think that, uh, I don't need to be, you know, super rich or whatever. No, no, I don't need to. And I know if I was so beyond rich, it would be my first goal would be to help others, you know? Exactly. So yeah. that's one of the things Alaska taught me. Mm-hmm. I live on the grateful side. I'm, I'm always grateful. Like, that's why I'm content and I'm happy at every stage of my life because I am grateful. You know, I, it could be worse, could be better, mm-hmm. but I am where I am and I'm grateful for it. Mm-hmm. So I don't stress about what happened. I don't stress about what's going to happen. I just do the work now. Right. You know, I know what I want. I have a clear vision of where I'm going, of what I want to do. And every single day I wake up and I'm grateful to be able to work on that yeah. and to do what I have to do to get there. So it's, it's like uh, this J. Cole song. You have to fall in love with the process. Oh, absolutely. You, know, you have to love yours. Because the, the goal isn't what's going to make you happy, right? It's, it's enjoying the process. There's a, there's a phrase that says... Um, that the man who enjoys walking, damn, how is it? How does it, how does it go? Anyway, the man that enjoys walking will like um, be happier, more content than the man who you know gets to the goal faster or whatever. Who, because whose happiness comes from reaching the goal? Yeah, you have to be. You have 100%. to. Be, you have to be enjoy the process. You know why? Because you know, when you get to, to that enjoy goal, the outcome, yeah. when you get to that goal, chances are you're gonna need another goal to make you happy. As opposed, you, no, to no, you you always that, and that's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that because. Um, I know I, I agree, but you can't just only find happiness from the goal, like you're saying. Exa- exactly. Yeah. You know, it's all it's all about life and the process. And life mm-hmm. happens. You can be good today, bad tomorrow, but you still have to be um, in a mindset of where that can't that can't trouble you. That can't be um, that can't just sidetrack you from everything else. You know, because there's yeah. so many things in your life. Yeah. Like one thing goes wrong, and you're gonna tell me that you're in shambles. No. Right. Like. You have so much other things to look forward to. Right. You know? and, and in the moment, sometimes it's hard to see that, right? Yes, uh, it is. But getting a big, bigger perspective on life and seeing what you're appreciative of. What's funny is that it's uh, right now we're recording and it's 7.55. I turn my alarm off because I don't want to get yelled at, but I have an alarm every day. Uh, it's a gratitude alarm. 
It was off at 8.01 p.m. Oh, I like that. And I got that from Amelia when we were, uh, I like that. we had our first Outsiders destination trip to Morocco in 2019. Every day at 8.01 p.m., her phone would go off and she'd ask everybody, say, gratitude alarm, what are you grateful for? And I'm like, wow. I really love that because it gives you see, a chance to see what you're grateful for. Now I'm going to jump day. on that. I'm going to set a great, I'm I recommend everybody. I'm going to set that alarm for yeah, myself. 801 p.m. I like that. Uh, what are you grateful for? And it's great. I, I, lo I love being able to look back. Like, even if you had the, the worst day, like, you know what? You can find something to be grateful for. Um, Absolutely. So um, let me ask you a few more questions here. Uh, what is your most embarrassing moment? Oh my God. I always got to bring this up for context. <laughs> we always do at this point. There's two people who hold the throne right now. Javier, who was, and we say this every episode, and I, and I have to, getting on a, uh, a public bus on the way to high school in Atlanta. He's wearing those snap-off pants. Gets on the bus, door closes, catches one of the pants. He walks up the stairs, snap-off pants rip, rip off. He's standing in front of the bus in tidy whities that's Javier. And then uh, Ken Tanaka, I'm trying to give you time to think a little bit. Ken Tanaka ran the New York City Marathon with um, food poisoning. Oh. So at every mile marker, he had to find a porta potty Stop and take a shit. And, oh my God. So it wow. took him eight hours and 27 that's shits tough. later. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. Uh, I mean, you, it's going to be hard to compete with those. But hit me what you got. He's a tough guy, though. Who's that? Uh, Tanaka? Tana oh, to, yeah. do, to be able to do that, that's tough. I mean, I don't know if I call it tough or stupidity. I, nah, I, would not I, be funny. <laughs> I mean, you got to respect it, though. Like, he wanted to run the I marathon, mean, period. He's, he's a man who's, who does not uh, accept failure or he's not achieving his goals. That's, like, he's, that's wow. He's to, me, that, to me, that's wow. Like, that's yeah. crazy. But um, one very, well, one of my most embarrassing things, um, I was on a public bus as well, just like Tavi, um, and I had been drinking a lot. I was in college. I'd been drinking a lot. I didn't drive back home that day because was it in DR. Yes, okay. Because I was pretty messed up, so I didn't drive. I just left my car at my, my boy's house. Instead of staying over, I was like, "Nah, I gotta go home. I gotta go home. I don't like sleeping in other people's beds. Whatever." Yeah. Just me being proud or whatever. And I took the bus back home. It was pretty late, and I was as soon as I got on the bus, I had to pee. Uh. Dude, and it was probably like forty-five minute ride until I got there. And when you get there, you have to get hop on a motorcycle. The moto taxi to get straight home like the bus would just leave you in the city right then over there is very popular the motorcycle you take a moto taxi everywhere so i um when i got on the bus i immediately had to pee when i felt the ace the cold ac yeah oh my god like 20 minutes in i just couldn't take it anymore and i kept asking for a stop but we were on the highway so the bus could not stop and well how many people were on this bus the bus was full full and, oh. I, and I was in the back <laughs> and i was in the back so I ended up um, having an accident, and when I finally yelled out, I couldn't take it anymore out of desperation, and told him, stop the fucking bus. Um, he stopped at the first stop he could, and I had to walk through the aisle from the back of the bus, pants drenched, all wet, Oof. had to walk all the way to the front, head down, and get off the bus, bro. It was so embarrassing, because there was Man. people on that bus that knew me. Remember, I'm from, it's a small town. Oh. So I was like, oh, damn. Blame you, it on the alcohol. Blame it on the alcohol. That was it. <laughs> oh, that's all I could do. You I said, are up there with I that. I said blame wow. it on the alcohol, man. I, could, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't find any other excuse. That, that, is, that is embarrassing. <laughs> Listen, the, that's, that's you know, you know, there, you know how people say the walk of shame? Yeah. That was my walk of shame. That was your yeah. walk of shame for sure. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that. Wow, that, Listen, that, that, compares, that competes with those guys. <laughs> Now you're gonna be mentioned. So now, <laughs> now you're known on the podcast as now the I'm third most embarrassing. Them, you, know, <laughs> you know what? I think mentioning their two stories beforehand probably motivated me. And right? that's, that's what it is. It seems like because most people don't want to share their embarrassing. Yeah, exactly. I think it's important. Hey, Listen, you know? man, I have no shame. Trust me. <laughs> it's important for our Li podcast. Life happens. Bro. <laughs> life happens, man. Um, all right. So, uh, is there anything I I haven't asked you? Anything you want to share about yourself? That's it could be anything. Oh man! Um, besides the you know helping people in the hospital, I'm getting through it day by day. I also like to help people um, with you know just sometimes life advice because um, I've learned so many things. I've been through so much stuff. Uh, living in one place, living in another, being involved in so many different cultures, you look you soak up so much stuff and you yeah. learn so much from everybody. And I'm always the type of person to ask the next person. Like I always like I'll ask you about anything just so I can learn from you, you know, even if it's something simple. Mm -hmm. I'm very curious. So I try to pass that on. I, pa I try to pay it forward, you know, try to help other people. 
Um, as far as I got certified as a nutritionist and I also got certified as a trainer, like I told you. So I use those tools and that knowledge to try to um, help a lot of people um, better themselves physically. And when you better yourself physically, that also helps you get mental clarity. Yeah. So I, mean, I have a couple of relatives and a couple of close friends that um, have been through the process and feel better about themselves. Confidence has gone up. You know, they, they're completely different people. And that's, I feel proud of that. Uh, that's something that's very satisfying. I'm very grateful for that as well. Um, because, uh, saying it this way, I wish I had a me earlier in my life. Like, who I am now, what I know now, I wish I had a person like myself when I was younger, when I was a teenager, mm -hmm. you know? To tell me, okay, do this, don't do that. Or, or why don't you try this instead of that? Well, the beautiful thing now is when you do have kids, you can do uh, that. Listen, too. I already started with my nephew. I feel like a parent. Yeah. I just got done babysitting them for like three hours. <laughs> <laughs> see, my niece and nephew are in Portland, so I don't get to do that. No, man. But uh, yeah, I make, make it out there to see them. Uh, anything else? I don't want to cut you short. Oh, man. Uh, all right. So my next, we have the last section, last part, portion of the interviews is uh, a series of five rapid fire questions. Okay. You obviously know how that works. So just take shoot, the first man. that comes to mind. Shoot at me. Shoot at me. Uh, what is your favorite city other than New York City? Santo Domingo. Domingo. Yeah. Okay. Why is that? Oh my God, the beauty of it. Um, it's such a chill place. Like that's the capital, right? Yeah, Santo Domingo is the capital. You're the first Dominican who hasn't referred to it as the capital and then said Santo Domingo. Nah, I just call it like I just call it what it is. Yeah, but every Dominican person I know that knows the capital. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, because if I tell you the capital, I mean, what, capital of what? I wouldn't you, know because you're, you're Dominican. Okay. I already know. Yeah. But um, Santo Domingo is the type of place where I was in school and I would get done with class and we would hop in a car and, and 30 minutes later I'm at the beach with a beer mm. in my hand. Yeah. So I love that. You, you can't beat that. I'm surprised you're not in, on the West Coast. We just got back from the West Coast. My wife didn't want to come back. Oh, really? <laughs> I had to drag her ass on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> she had me. She had me um, in open houses. Like we were yeah, looking LA. at houses in out LA? there. We went in San Diego. San Diego, yes. yeah. We loved San Diego. But nah, nah. Okay, good. I'd like to hear that. I don't want you guys to go away. <laughs> um, if you could do any other profession unrelated to anything that you're doing now, what would that be? Ooh, I'd be an athlete. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I know the first thing that comes to mind when I ask you that question just now would be baseball player. Yeah. Yeah? Is that a dream? Okay. Uh, what's your vice? What's my vice? Oh, my God. Besides my wife. Um. <laughs> oh, my God. Your, your wife is honestly one of the nicest people, super helpful. I mean, I love like, her. Your, your wife is dope, and I appreciate you bringing her onto the team. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She loves it, too. Yeah, and I, I told her before, like, when we, we started dating, I told her, listen, I live a very active lifestyle. You're going to be with me. You got to keep up. She does. You gotta keep up. I warned like, fact, I, I, like I, I, her, right? I warned her. Like this is what I'm about. So yeah. you gotta do this. But yeah, she's she's with it all the time. I, I love it. What's um, your advice? Um damn. I think lifting weights, the gym. Yeah, that's that's a guilty that's, that's, that's a, a guilty advice. pleasure. Well oh, I agree, but advice fact, is negative connotation. Let me take let me take that back. Yeah. That's my advice right there. Beer or alcohol. I love beer. Beer? Beer, yeah. That, you know, uh, not alcohol in general, because I'm not an alcoholic. Right. But I really enjoy brews. Okay. Like, and everywhere I go, I'll try different stuff. Bams is your man. Yeah. You know, so, so I'm not sure if you've seen this. And actually, this whole podcast came through, the idea for it came through uh, me coming in by for his non-beer review beer reviews. And I say that because they're not officially beer reviews. He cracks the beer open, he talks a little bit about the, about the, about the brand, and then talks about the, the can, yeah. and then... And talks about it, and then it's literally like 45 minute, 45 seconds to a minute. Um, and I brought bike fat tire and a bunch of new Belgian products, and I was like, "Yo, I liked our chemistry on 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 scene on on camera." Um, and uh, I had this idea about doing outsider stuff. So, but yeah, I I have a friend. Um, we we smoke cigars together, and one of the things we do is we always try different be different beers. Mm -hmm. We Try to get a sense for the flavor. We'll, like you said, we'll critique them. You gotta you know, get your like guest spot like, no. on his, on his uh, podcast. <laughs> sure, man. Bring, bring, uh, bring Presidente or something. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> Presidente is not my go. favorite. It's really good, but it's not my well, favorite. I mean, represent whatever. DR but yeah, brand it, it represents have. where I'm from. Absolutely. Oh, but, you know, there's a there's a few like craft breweries down in the yard. Yes. Yes. Yeah. See, my guy, my guy knows. So actually, it'd be cool if you brought those by. And jump on yeah. the show. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm thinking of ideas that would be. Um, cool for sure. I'll make it better for you. Because um, some of those craft brews, like you said, they don't they don't um, sell them here. But I do have a couple of relatives going back to DR for for Christmas holidays. 
I'll have a couple of samples come back. Oh, yeah, and I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll bring right. them to you. Word Word. Yeah, yeah, you can count on it. Oh, yeah. For sure, man. Right. My next question for you is what's your greatest fear? Oh, my God. My greatest fear is losing my family, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that mm. scares me. Yeah. That's uh, that's one that I think anybody can relate to. Well, yeah, yeah, anyone definitely. with a healthy relationship with their family can relate yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a scary one. Uh, all right, so last question is, what's your favorite food? Partly my fault for letting you know about this uh, so last minute. Listen, uh, I told you we could have done Uber Eats. You didn't listen. I, I don't, we don't have enough time for that, <laughs> but uh, we, can, we, we can add a photo of whatever your photo, favorite food is. Just <laughs> <laughs> add a photo. Like, ping! Okay. You superimpose it right there. No, what's your favorite food? Ping! There we go. <laughs> what is it? So... As a Dominican, people, you always have the rice and beans as a staple. Mm-hmm. But um, I'd say the platano. Yeah, well, that's a... That's Plantains. A, they're very versatile, and you can make so many dishes with them. They're and they're super so, food. And, and they're so cheap. Yeah. They're so cheap. People always, when you speak Dominican and you say food, first thing comes to mind, arroz, habichuela y carne, which is rice, beans, and any kind of protein, right? But I say platano because it's very available, very cheap, and you don't really need much to, 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 matter of fact, side story. As a kid, right, getting in trouble riding my bike, we would hop fences and get into these lots of land, little pieces of land. They'd be like banana and plantain trees. And we'd cut, cut some off, like literally steal food. And we'd go into the, the woods or whatever, would set up fire, and we'd cook on really? site. Yeah, yeah, we'd buy five pesos of, of butter, three pesos of salt, 10 pesos of salami or whatever we would cut them up right there a little fire we like would just and we would just we were 14 15 years old this, right <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was a fu- that was fun like that's one of the highlights of my childhood hmm. like doing stuff like that i'm proud to say that i lived that and i that and, cool. and cuz kids these days they don't know what that is no you know they don't they don't get to do stuff like that yeah so yeah that, that's cool <laughs> yeah. that's super cool that's actually, I, I think that's really cool that you did as a kid um yeah, that, I mean, it, that pretty much wraps up our interview. Is there any, anything, anything else you want to... Listen, man, I'm going to just say thank you for having me. Um, thank you for always being welcoming. And and thank you for building outsiders, man. Thank you for helping me build. <laughs> you know, you guys, you guys have been... Cheers to helpful. that. Cheers, man. Um, <laughs> last thing I want to say, guys, don't move away, man. I want you to stay in Oh, no, York. no, trust me. We're... we're no, no. I can't be more than an hour commute away from like my closest relatives, yeah, like my sister it. and the kids and stuff Perfect. like that. Yeah, nothing well, for nothing further than an hour. <laughs> I'd love to hear that. Full circle. The first person we tried to do an Outsiders podcast with was you, and now we got you back. So, oh word! Yeah, you're the first person that we did that in the in in. Oh, the camera in the yeah. face. Yeah, that yeah. Was the you're first right, time you're right. we ever did that concept. So. Now uh, you guys can look on our YouTube and see like. Well, actually, you should add add that that little snippet to the to okay. this one. Yeah, <laughs> just that. just so people get a feel for what it yeah, is. It, I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like and I said, my fault. every it's time I show somebody that, they just laugh. Like, yeah. oh, stab. I'm like, yeah, I, didn't know ask, we just, I just have fun with it. I was like, stick a camera in the face. Just ask some questions. And <laughs> I realized, oh, well, we should be more prepared. But, uh, <laughs> with practice, we've gotten better. Practice makes perfect. Uh, anyway, thank you so much, man. Uh, looking forward to more adventures with you. Absolutely. And uh, we out. Later.